If anybody heard the audio from last week, there's a, a little bit of a gap. Sorry about that. Some th the cord got disconnected. So what I did is I cut the gap real short and I put a tone in there just so it would just real realize what the good stuff was still in there, I think. <laughs> so I apologize. So I'm going to watch it this time. Anyway, you should know, you've probably seen in the news that Pope Benedict XVI has visited the Holy Land area this week. And um, I don't know if you've, if you've been watching it. I mean, I don't watch it very closely. I have other things in my life to, than to worry about what the Pope is doing. But I, I wanted to know what he's saying because it's very important, especially now. We have a couple of things in the mix here that weren't uh, until recently. And number one is that Benjamin Netanyahu is now the Prime Minister of Israel. And he's still forming his government, but he is the de facto Prime Minister of Israel. And so he happens to be there just at the, at the right time. And we really don't know what he's going to be doing yet. You know, he was Prime Minister once before. But like, like Ariel Sharon, you can't expect that he'll stay exactly the same as he was before. And we talked about Ariel Sharon giving away Gaza um, when he would never, ever do that and stopping those settlements. So just watch and pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but watch what's going on there and, and you'll see. But anyway, so I like to look at the BBC. Anybody, everybody familiar with BBC in England? Um, I get a news push from them every day in the morning. And um, what I'll do is I'll just watch it. And I don't read a lot of it, but I'll watch it to see anything good going on. And, and then during the day, they'll also push breaking news as they see fit. They're kind of biased against Israel, but aren't a lot of people these days? Anyway, so this is from the BBC News on the 13th, which was just this past week. Pope Benedict XVI has offered his support for the Palestinians' right to a homeland. Now, what are we talking about? Isn't that interesting? As he continues a Middle East tour in the West Bank. Speaking on his arrival in Bethlehem, by the way, you know Bethlehem is part of the Palestinian territories. Now, it's not a good old Christian site that it used to be. He urged Palestinians not to resort to violence and terrorism. That's good. And then he held a mass in the town's major square, believed to be the birthplace of Jesus Christ. One of the aims of the pontiff's visit is to pres preserve a diminishing Christian presence in the Holy Land. On Tuesday, a row flared over his membership as a teenager of the Hitler Youth. Now, I remember there was a little bit of a row, if you will, an English way of saying a little bit of contention. There's a row, quite a row about it. When he first became Pope, I think, personally, pretty quickly swept under the rug. Now, we don't know this man's history very well, and, and I don't. But listen to this. Vatican spokesman, the Reverend Federico Lombardi, said, said that the pontiff, quote, never, 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 three times, says never, unquote, belonged to the organization, but later appeared to backtrack, saying that he had been a member, but his membership was compulsory. The Pope said in his own 1997 memoirs, Salt of the Earth, that he had been registered with the Hitler Youth while he was at seminary. But that's all, he's, that's all it says about it. Anyway, speaking at a news conference, Mr. Abbas, you know who Mr. Abbas is, Mahmoud Abbas, took over after Arafat as the head of the PLO, Mr. Abbas's residence, the head of the Roman Catholic Church responded to Mr. Abbas's welcome by expressing support for a Palestinian state. And here's the quote from the Pope. The Holy See supports the right of your people to a sovereign Palestinian homeland, now listen to this, in the land of your forefathers. Ooh, you know what he's talking about here. Secure and at peace with its neighbors. You know who one of the neighbors they want to be? A neighbor called Israel. Uh, within internationally recognized borders. Now, isn't this interesting? The head of the Catholic Church, who's supposedly based on the scriptures, is not looking at Israel as the borders, in the, within the borders as God defined. And how many times have we talked about the land grant since we've been studying the Bible since October? 
the holy, the holy pontiff here, and I use the term holy in quotes, sorry, my own interpretation, the Holy See supports it as long as it's within internationally recognized borders. Watch what's going to happen very soon. Got more. The current Israeli government of Benjamin Netanyahu has so far refused to endorse the idea of a creation of a Palestinian state. By the way, who's visiting with Mr. President Obama tomorrow? Benjamin Netanyahu is in the United States right now. He's meeting with Obama tomorrow, President Obama tomorrow, because two of the major things they need to talk about is, of course, what's going to happen with Iran and this business of the Palestinian state. King Abdullah uh, Jordan, he's saying that this Palestinian state has to happen very soon. There'll be a time of, of relative calm, which is now. But if it's not done, quote unquote, soon, then there will be war. And everybody's agreeing with him. So King Abdullah of Jordan has said that. You see the Pope pushing for the Palestinian state and with Israel within recognized borders and Netanyahu now under all this pressure because he's going to have to flip-flop. He's going to have to. He's going to have to do it. I think, to capitulate to the masses in Israel and all over, he's going to meet with our president tomorrow. So just keep your eyes on the news this week. Here's from the BBC News on the 15th, just two days later, this past week. Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu visits Jordan. So you see he's also on this little bit of a tour before he comes to the United States. Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has made a lightning visit to Jordan for talks with King Abdullah. The previously unannounced trip is the Israeli leader's second this week. He went to Egypt on Monday, this past Monday, and now he went to Jordan, and tomorrow he'll be in the United States. Uh, he went to Egypt his first time on foreign soil since taking office as prime minister. Mr. Netanyahu is due in Washington for what are, what are being seen as crucial talks with President Obama on May 18th, which is tomorrow. The Jordanian ruler pressed the Israeli premier to endorse a Palestinian state which so far he has declined to do. Notice, so far he has declined to do. A two-state solution based on, independent, on, in, on an independence is a goal strongly backed by the U.S. and Jordan and Egypt, by the way, who are Israelis, Israel's only allies among the Arab nations or the Arab states. Now here's the quote from King Abdullah of Jordan. The international community has agreed there is no alternative to the two-state solution. The king demanded that the, the Israeli government declare its com commitment to the two-state solution, accept the Arab peace initiative, and take practical steps to achieve its process, King Abdullah's office said after the meeting. Quote, the international community has agreed there is no alternative and any other solution is unacceptable because it will not achieve a just peace, creating more conflict, the statement said. The king also pressed Mr. Netanyahu to stop Israeli settlement building on Palestinian land. They're already assuming a lot, aren't they? And, quote, seize the current historic opportunity to make peace with the Arabs, unquote. How many times have we had historic opportunities to make peace in that land with, with, these, with, with the Arabs? Mr. Netanyahu flew straight back to Israel where he was due to meet Pope Benedict XVI, who has been in northern Israel. We just talked about that. The BBC's Paul Wood in Jerusalem says the frantic activity is because Israel fears being diplomatically isolated ahead of Mr. Netanyahu's trip to Washington. To reach an agreement for peace in the Middle East would result in a new conflagration. Conflagration. I said that right this time. <laughs> conflagration. <laughs> within 12 to 18 months. So you see he's saying there could be war within a year or so. Again, it's all of this hype. But 
there is some partial truth to that. In comments to a UK newspaper, he said the US was finalizing a comprehensive solution. Ooh, the US is finalizing a comprehensive solution to Israel's conflict with the Palestinians, Syrians, and Lebanese that would involve all 57 Arab and Muslim states. Are we heading toward a peace treaty or what here? Our correspondent says everything appears to be leading towards a visit by President Obama to Cairo, Egypt next month, during which he is expected to announce his support for the Jordanian plan in some form. King Abdullah, a staunch ally of the United States, has ruled since 1999. Okay, so that's it. There's another article here. I'm not going to read it, but it says Israel PM may back two states. Now, BBC, the 17th, today. Remember I told you that he's probably going to capitulate? Remember they said in the previous article that Netanyahu opposes this Palestinian state? He is now in the United States, tomorrow meeting with President Obama, and this, just off the wire, Israel PM may back two-state solution. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu may be prepared to endorse a peace process leading to an independent Palestinian state, his defense minister said. And you know who the defense minister of Israel is now? Ehud Barak. You remember in the year 2000, the Camp David Accords? Remember Arafat was there? And Ehud Barak was there. And remember Mr. Clinton, President Clinton, made them forced to shake hands. And, and they were fighting on who they were going to make go first into the, into the, do you remember that, the photo op there into the building? That's the, that's the defense minister now. Remember they were going to give Arafat everything he wanted? And he still said no. It's all coming together, folks. Just wanted you to know that it's not just what I'm teaching you from Scripture. The news is screaming out. Get ready. All right. We're in the book of Obadiah, so if you want to just turn there, we're going to continue where we were last week. And, hey, my thing's still recording here, so that's good. So next time I go to New York, which will be soon, I'm going to try to see if I can use that thing. But I've got to get a Ferrari somehow. That's, that's not going to work. You see him parking my little banged-up F-150 truck. That's probably won't work for me. They won't either going to take my, five my, my, my Ford truck and say, this ain't even worth $5,000. No, you can't have the loan. Go pay for parking. <laughs> All right, Obadiah, I'm going to say chapter one, but it is only one chapter. It's a little hard to find, but you'll find it. Let's go to verse 15 in that chapter. Uh, let's see. I'll give you a little time to find it. Yeah, in, in a good Bible, right? In a good Bible, it's page 1355. In a not-so-good Bible, look it up in the index. In an original translation, sorry, there is no index. Go find it on, the, on your papyrus somewhere. Actually, let's, uh, what did I say, verse 15? And the Lord, the day of the Lord is near for all nations. Now, so I want you to understand, Obadiah is not saying the day of the Lord is near at that time. This is a prophecy for now. You get that? This is the, this is the important thing to understand. I think he wrote this in about 840 B.C., somewhere around there. He knew the, the day of the Lord, well, he didn't know it, but the day of the Lord was nowhere near at hand. So this is a prophecy for today. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will, be, will return upon your head. And it says here in verse 16, just as you drank on my holy hill, what's the holy hill? The Temple Mount. Just as you drank on my holy hill, so all nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink as if they had never been. This to me personally is saying there is going to come a time when this will be given away. 
when it will be split in two, and East Jerusalem will be given to the Palestinians under international borders. You see what I'm saying here? And the nations will ride. Remember, President Obama wants, wants the Temple Mount, and basically Jerusalem, but really the Temple Mount, if you look at it, to be an international site. Sort of like the Vatican is an international, is its own nation, if you will. It's considered as its own nation. This is what they want the, uh, uh, Jerusalem and specifically the Temple Mount to be. And I think it's going to happen. We just read the news. This is all happening now, folks. So I wanted you to read that and go down to Obadiah verse 21. And it says, Deliver, uh, deliverers will go up to Mount Zion. Now, deliverers. Some entity will go up to Mount Zion as the nations are here to, do, to, uh, to govern the mountains of Esau and the kingdom will be the Lord's. Now, when do you think that's going to happen? It's going to happen right after the uh, tribulation. Because it looks to me, again, this is my opinion, but the way it's mapping out is that right before, probably, right before the Antichrist comes, there's going to be there may be the battle of Gog and Magog. I don't want to get into that. But the key is, is that it looks like that the nations will succeed in dividing Jerusalem and dividing that temple mount. And Israel will have its third temple. But the nations will be drunk with part of the temple mount. They will own it. They will be under international control. And at the time, the appointed time, which is when Jesus comes back, deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau. And the kingdom will be the Lord. Now, if you notice, the context of this conquered, if you will, Mount Zion is that it's Esau's. Isn't that interesting? Even though it will be an international border, it's, it's the context here. God is looking on it as, look, the nations are all, remember it says in Scripture, they're all, they will all, the Mount, well, Mount Zion will be a cup of trembling. Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling. The nations will trample on it. Aren't we in the times of the Gentiles now, of Gentile control, even though Israel still, quote unquote, owns, possesses the Temple Mount since 1967? since the Six-Day War. They own it, but they gave control over it to the Palestinians. So it's under international law, under Palestinian jurisdiction or Arab jurisdiction, and now, at this point, it looks like it will be under international control. You see the news? It's coming. And I believe that, I mean, this says right here, deliverers will go up and seize it from control of the nations headed by or under Esau, if you will, because Esau is really the ones that's fighting most to get this Temple Mount right now. It's these Palestinians. So Obadiah basically is saying here that <clears throat> the, uh, the descendants of Edom will be destroyed. Now, we've traced Edom. We know Esau's name was changed to Edom. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And then he has the 12 sons. So you know that there are two separate nations. What did God say to Rebekah when she was pregnant with them? Two separate nations will be separated from your womb, but they were twins. Remember in Genesis chapter 36 that Jacob and Esau were split because their nations or their people and possessions were too great. So one went to Jordan. We talked about that, the area of Edom, which is right here. If you look at this map, we talked about this is Jordan right now. I know it's hard to see. I apologize. You've got to draw me some maps more. Okay? <laughs> he's, my, he's my chartographer. So here's Jordan in the modern day, right? Here's, here's Egypt. Here's the Sinai Peninsula. Here's Israel. The modern day, here's the West Bank. Here's Syria, here's Lebanon, here's Jordan. But in those days, which is what we're talking about here, Edom was in where Jordan is right now. We talked about the city of Petra, which is in southwestern Jordan. We're going to talk about the King's Highway. It's all going to tie together for you, so just give me a few minutes here. 
uh, Jacob stayed in the land of promise in Canaan, and Esau moved to Mount Seir, which is this Edom area. So I want you to remember that. And they headquartered in the city of Petra. Now, last week I said there's the entrance to Petra, which is called the Sikh, the S-I-Q. And I said it was about 20 feet wide. I actually have to correct that. It's less than that. It's about 8 to 10 feet wide, because I checked that this week. It's very, very narrow. I'm going to talk about that because the city of Petra figures very greatly. And by the way, just to, just to have you know this as we move forward, remember I talked about the King's Highway that ran from Cairo, Egypt, all the way up. It goes through the Jordan, basically, or Edom. It gets to Damascus, Syria, and then goes up to where Assyria, ancient Assyria used to be, up, up in this area right here. That King's Highway actually passed in front of the door, or the Sikh, if you will, of Petra. So what they used to do is they used to, they were prophesied to live by the sword. So what they used to do is to get stuff. They were thieves. And they would wait for the tr people coming up the trade route, which was the king's highway, and then they would ransack them and bring everything back. And as the, the protectors or the, the, the throng that was with the traders would chase them to get their stuff back, they would trap them at the seek and they would repel them with throwing boiling water on them and stuff like that. They were pretty devious. It's, it's kind of funny, actually, but it, it's sad, but it's funny. <laughs> I could just see him, you know, they are going to scurry, we're going to get the stuff, we're going to let them chase us and make like, like they're almost going to let them catch up to them so they can follow them, make them follow them right to the trap, which is that little door called the seek, and then they just pound them. And, they, and they, that's how they took their stuff. It, this figures, by the way, into the Roman Empire era as well, when, when Palestine is taken over or becomes an annexed state. It really never becomes a possession of Rome because the Jews were not to be possessed by anybody. They couldn't be totally conquered, but th they were annexed. And that's when the Herods came in. There's a line going to the Herods too, by the way. We, we're going to talk all about that. So they're in Petra. Let's go to uh, Numbers chapter 20 and verse 14. Now we're going to move forward. Uh, in time about 550 years to where the Israelites are in the midst of their 40-year journey. So we moved away from where Esau, and Esau is the genesis of the nation of Edom, and they start to migrate. They're going to migrate to Edom, which is southern Jordan, and now we're moving 550 years later, the history of, of Israel now, the Jews have been created, you know, the line of Joseph and the Jews and all of that stuff has been created, and now they're on the exodus from Egypt. We haven't talked about that in Scripture yet, but this is where we are when we talk about numbers. They're in their 40-year journey from Egypt back to the land of Canaan. The Israelites are on their journey, and let's see, I, it's, it's a map. I have it here. Again, it's going to be hard to see. It's in my notes. So, But here's basically the journey, the 40-year journey that they took. So here's the Sinai Peninsula right here. Here's Edom right here. You see it's circled. I know it's hard to see. And then there's a path that they took, and they come around Mount Sinai, and they come up the Red Sea. That's where they, they, they marched, the whole tribe of them, for the 40 years. And then they loop around to Kadesh Barnea. And now they want to come back, and they want to head up to Jericho, because they're going to go into the Promised Land. Through, remember, it's through Jericho that they enter the Promised Land. So this is where they are. They're in Kadesh Barnea, which is up by the Dead Sea. It's right around here. Anyway, well, let's see. Where is it here? Mediterranean Sea, Assyria. Damascus as well. It's, it's really, it's right around here. But be that as it may, this is what happens. Moses, well, let's go to Numbers chapter 20 and verse 14. So now they're up in Kadesh Barnea, and now they want to head up east to Jordan and then come up the, uh, the near, over the, you know, the Dead Sea lead-in up there to, to, uh, to Jericho to go back into Canaan. Moses sent messages from Kadesh to the king of Edom. Oh, the king of Edom. So you know who we're talking about here. It's Esau. 
saying, this is what your brother Israel says. You know about all the hardships that we have come, upon, have come upon us, Israel. Our forefathers went down into Egypt and we lived there many years. The Egyptians mistreated us and our fathers. But when we cried out to the Lord, he heard our cry and sent an angel and brought us out to Egypt. So he's going to give the king of Edom background information of why they're there and where they're headed and why they want to cross over the territory in Edom. So now we are here at Kadesh, a town on the edge of your territory, the edge of Edom. Verse 17, please let us pass through your country. Now, he's also now going to say, look, we will, go th- we, will, we will not go through any field or vineyard or drink water from any well. We will travel along the king's highway and not turn to the right or to the left until we have passed through your territory. So it sounds like a fair deal. Moses is being very humble. And he's saying his people, there's a throng of them. There's millions of them or a million of them somewhere around there. So he's talking about this king's highway. Now remember, the king's highway was a major trade route, so it it stood to reason that this throng of people were walking through the desert, but they weren't just walking in the sand, just trudging through the sand with all their stuff. They were on this highway, which there was no paved roads in those days, but it was a marked out area that was well-traveled and well-packed down so that they could travel easily, or easily enough, right? How How easily can you travel in the desert? The King's Highway is a major trade route that I said ran from Cairo, Egypt, all the way up through Petra, which is where he needs to go, right, into Syria. And remember, also, like I said, because it has to go through Edom, it goes right pretty much almost in front of the Sikh, the entrance to the city of Petra, which is now occupied by the Edomites. So you get in this picture here? Okay, also, by the way, I just want to read this to you. Just, just hold your place and I want to read this to you, because this is going to figure greatly. This King's Highway is something I don't want you to gloss over. We know the King's Highway existed then. We know it goes from Cairo all the way up. We know that the Israelites are traveling the King's Highway because it is a major trade route, the major trade route of the area. In Isaiah 11 and chapter 10 through, I think, 15 here, but I'm going to read it to you. Now, Isaiah says, In that day, what day is he talking about? The day of the Lord, yet future, very close in time to us. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him. Remember, Israel will be what? The head of the nations? The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time, now listen to this, to reclaim the remnant that is left from his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, Upper Egypt, from Cush, and Elam from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. So now he's regathering his people again at the day of the Lord, after the tribulation. This is the thousand-year kingdom that is the kingdom of the Jews. You get get the picture here? He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Ephraim's journey will vanish and Judah's enemy will be cut off. No more wandering for the Jew. Isn't that great? Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah nor Judah hostile toward Ephraim. They will swoop down on the slopes of Philistia to the west. Together they will plunder the people to the east. They will lay hands on Edom and Moab. This is the time of retribution when Israel gets to strike back at her enemies as head of the nations. And the Ammonites will be subject to them. The Lord will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea with a scorching wind. He will sweep his hand over the Euphrates River. Remember the Euphrates River is going to dry up? So this is approaching now the millennium. He will break it up into, the, into seven streams so that men can cross over in sandals. Talking about that time, aren't we? So you see how this is summarizing it? Now listen to this. This is the key point. We set up the scenario here. 
chapter 11 of Isaiah, of Isaiah verse 16. There will be a highway. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people that is left from Assyria as there was for Israel when they came up from Egypt. And they stopped at Kadesh Barnea asking for permission to continue along the king's highway, what we're just talking about. This highway is going to be built again. You get my picture here? You get what I'm saying? In that day, the Lord will say, I, uh, sorry, in that day you will say, not the Lord, you will say, I will praise you, O Lord, although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. I'm sorry. But I've got to say, the heart for Israel that God has given me, this is the restoration of Israel right here. Does this tie, is this tying this together for you? I hope so. This is very important. Yes. What was that you just read? Uh, Isaiah 12. What I just read was Isaiah 12 and verse, uh, verse 1. God will prepare a highway, and it's going to be the old king's highway where Israel was a stop or tried to move along the way, where they were beaten and taken captive and smacked around, they will be on the king's highway and they will be the nations and the nations will use the king's highway to come to Israel. It will be the major trade route in that time. Um, remember last week I said to you, I just want to make sure this is still recording here. Yep. I said to you that... Um, there was a peace treaty that was forged, and it's still, quote-unquote, in effect, but it really hasn't been too well uh, adhered to. Aren't we talking about, well, let me, let me go back to the peace treaty. Between, this peace treaty was forged on October 26, 1994, so it's a long time ago now, between the state of Israel and the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan. Now, remember last week I told you I have part of the, part of the actual treaty here? I do, and I'm going to read it to you in a second. Here's the point. What were we just talking about? King Abdullah of Jordan just said what? Just in the news, on the BBC News, I read you, that he's the one who's saying that there's a Jordanian plan that they want to put in place, which is going to be a two-state solution, and it has to be done within the next 12 to 18 months or there will be war. Didn't he just say that? We just read it. So Jordan, 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 Jordan. Treat peace treaty between the state of Israel and the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan in 1994. Jordan and Egypt are really the only two major Arab states that are, quote-unquote, right now friends with, with Israel that have some sort of a peace contract with them. Preamble. The government of the state of Israel and the government of the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan, bearing in mind the Washington Declaration signed by them on July 25, 1994, in which they are both committed to honor, aiming at the achievement of a just, lasting, and comprehensive peace in the Middle East based on Security Council Resolutions 242 and 338 in all their respects. Listen. Article 13, Transportation and Roads. Taking note of the progress already made in the area of transportation, the parties, rec the parties right, Jordan and Israel, the parties recognize the, mutual, the mutuality of interest in good neighborly relations in the area of transportation and agree to the following means to promote relations between them in this sphere, the sphere of transportation or commerce between them. And each party will permit the free movement of nationals and vehicles. Okay, so there's going to be free movement of peoples between the two countries. Each party will open and maintain roads and border crossings between their countries. That's good. Point three, the parties will continue their negotiations concerning mutual transportation agreements to facilitate the movement of vehicles and people and commerce, right? So this is good. Point four, listen to this. The parties agree to continue their negotiations for a highway to be constructed and maintained between Egypt, Israel, and Jordan near Elat. 
Do you, can you say prophecy here? Now, it seems very strongly that when the Antichrist comes, he's not going to create a new peace treaty. What he's going to do is put in force these already constructed peace treaties, because there's a lot here. There's a lot in all of them. All taken together, pressed down and condensed, what do you think is going to be the time of peace for seven years? It's going to be this. The establishment of a two-state two solution, which is all part and parcel of these treaties. The establishment of, of major and regular commerce between Israel and her neighbors, but especially this peace treaty, which says that along this King highway, King's Highway, which will be resurrected at that time, which we just read about in Isaiah. Is all this clicking here? Hopefully prophecy is coming alive to you. We have about 10 minutes left. This highway, as we've seen in Isaiah, already has been planned by God and will survive into the time of the millennial kingdom of Israel where Jesus is Lord and King in the line of David, sitting on David's throne. And Israel's kingdom is bestowed on her as she takes her position as the head of the nations. One last word on the prophetic uh, nature of this. Uh, turn to Isaiah 19. Just turn to Isaiah 19. One last, nature, uh, one last word on the prophetic nature of the king's highway. Once blocked from Israel by her brother and her cousins, and in the future restored to her not only to pass, but as the major owner and the major coordinator of all commerce on the king's highway, because Israel will be head of the nations. Isaiah 19, verse 16 through 25. Isaiah 19, verse 16. In that day, what day is that? The day of the Lord. Make no mistake, when he says in that day, in any of these books in Scripture, that's what he's talking about. The Egyptians will be like women. Ooh. They will shudder with fear at the uplifted hand that the Lord Almighty has raised against or raises against them. And the land of Judah will bring terror to the Egyptians. Everyone to whom Judah is mentioned will be terrified. You have a question? The day of the Lord is the day when, when he comes and executes, executes final judgment on Israel and the nations. That's always, whenever you see the day of the Lord in Scripture, I mean, I can talk to you about that offline, I can't go through it all here, but that's always what it means. It's in that day. It's not the day or this day or when this guy was king or that guy was king. In that day or in that day. In, when, okay, Israel right now is under judgment. We agree on that? Well, we, we have to because it's true. Well, it is true. No, I can understand. No, Bob, don't laugh. Because some people may not understand the book of Daniel, and, and it's not a bad thing. The book of Daniel lays it all out. Israel is back in the land on their blind. It's, it's not, it's, it's, the, it's the scriptures. Oh, as the day of the Lord? Okay. I can't get into all that now. We can talk about that offline, but I just want you to understand. There is 70 weeks of years in the prophetic book of Daniel. And Daniel says that, and when Daniel's being told about how this is going to lay out, there, there's, he's, he actually says 69 weeks will have passed, and their 70th week has yet to come. The 70th week, which is a week of years, which is seven physical years, has not commenced yet. Because there is this time, and if you look at the timeline in Daniel, and I have the study on that, if you ever want to get into it, I have the complete study in my notes from my book of Daniel. There is this parenthetical time called the church age, which Daniel did not know about. He couldn't understand it. It wasn't given to them to know. But what the angel is saying is that 69 weeks have passed. There will be a gap, the church age. When the rapture takes place at the end of the 2,000-year gap, the clock immediately starts again on the reestablishment of the judgment of Israel. That's the tribulation period, which will be seven years. But in that time frame, Israel will be pummeled. 
Israel will be absolutely pummeled, but the nations around her will be used to help judge her like they've done before, and they will be, they will be judged as well. And that's what we're talking about. That is the day of the Lord, and that's the focal point of all of Scripture. There are two major focal points in Scripture. Please don't forget this. The coming of Messiah, Jesus Christ, and what He did, and the day of the Lord, which brings us into eternity future where the Bible stops documenting at the end of Revelation. That's what this scripture talks about all the time. That's really very simple. How many people are there talked about in the scripture? How many people groups? You know this, three. Jews, Gentiles, and Christians. How many major milestones does the Bible map everything into? Two. The coming of Jesus Christ, the prophesied coming of Messiah and our Savior, and the, great, the, the, the coming of the day of the Lord. The great and terrible day of the Lord, which you've also read in Scripture. So hopefully that answers your question for right now. We can talk about the other stuff later. Let's go down. Let's move down to Isaiah 19 and verse 23. And we're going to wrap this piece up right now. Isaiah 19 and 23. In that day, what day is that? <laughs> there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. Now, it can't be talking about the old king's highway that went from Cairo all the way up there because that was in the past. And he's saying in that day, so he's talking about something yet future, which most probably is what we just read, that will happen, a major trade route that when Israel's ahead of the nations, the Assyrians will go to Egypt and the Egyptians to Assyria. The Egyptians and Assyria will worship together. Ooh, they're going to worship together? Who are they going to worship? No, no. No, 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 no. This is talking about after that. This is talking about the restored kingdom, the millennial kingdom, when all nations will go to Jerusalem, especially during the Feast of Tabernacles, to worship Jesus Christ. You get it? This is, this is the picture. This is that day right after the tribulation. That's why you have to have a millennial kingdom of a thousand years. There are people who don't believe in that. You have to understand that. If you don't, you're not going to get what it's talking about here. It's true. The, okay, so they will worship together. In that day, Israel will be, a, will be the third along the Egyptian and Assyrian, the third stop on that highway. And a blessing on the earth. Is Israel a blessing on the earth right now? Israel seems to be a lightning rod for all kinds of consternation and contention. So it can't be now, and it can't be during the tribulation. It has to be when? During the millennial kingdom. The Lord Almighty will bless them. He's going to bless Egypt and Assyria. How many times have we heard he's going to, he's going to destroy these people and keep banging on them? <laughs> and saying, and in quotes, in quotes, the Lord was saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people. Assyria, my, my handiwork. And Israel, my inheritance. Now let me ask you, is there any question about what day that is? No. Is there any question about Israel being the head of the nations in that day? No. Hopefully that answers some more of those questions for you. Because it's important to understand that. All right, we have about, what, five minutes left? Let's go back to Numbers, chapter 20 and verse 18. So, hopefully you understand the significance of the King's Highway when it was running back in the day, which we're talking about, when Israel was trying to use it at least to get back to the Promised Land. And in the future, when it will be a major road of commerce and Israel will be controlling the highways and the byways, especially of the King's Highway. It's coming together, isn't it? Numbers chapter 20 and verse 18. But Edom answered in response to now we're going back to Moses asking for permission to lightly tread upon the land to keep going up the King's Highway through Edom. You may not pass through here. If you try, we will march out. March out from where? 
Petra, the Sikh, we will march out and attack you with the sword. Hey, aren't they used to doing that already? <laughs> no change in tactic here, but they don't have to because they live in Petra. They've got a fortified city. The Israelites replied, we will go along the main road, and if we are our livestock, drink any of your water, we will pay for it. We only want to pass through on foot. Nothing else. They're begging again. By the way, they said the main road, which is the main road, which is that King's Highway. All right. Again, they answered, you may not pass through. You think God is pleased about all this? <laughs> then Edom came out against them with a large and powerful army. Since Edom refused to let them go through their territory, Israel turned away from them. And in my notes, you can see they actually loop back. They actually make a hook around Edom and then continue north. Isn't that interesting? All right, we're going we're gonna to wrap up now. We're going to finish this next week. We will be finishing this week. But I hope this is valuable to you because we are at the current day, right? I read your news reports. You see what's happening tomorrow with Netanyahu. You see this push from all quarters for the two-state solution. The nations are drunk. Oh, they're drunk with Jerusalem and that Temple Mount. To summarize, Edom will be judged for their infractions, their pride, which is, which is mentioned in Obadiah 1, 3, and 4, violence against their brother, which is in Obadiah 1 and verse 10, standing by and sneering and even assisting and taking advantage of the situation of Jacob being, ta being taken advantage of by strangers. Now, I'm just going to get your appetite on that one. We're going to, next week, we're going to trace Edom from the Edomites through Haman. Remember good old Haman? We're going to trace through Haman. And through the Herods in Jesus' day. And then from that point, you do know the rest of the story, don't you? These people have not stopped. Their names change, though, from Edom to Idumeans. In Greek, the term for Edomites are Idumeans. That's all it is. And these people from the Seleucid dynasty, from, uh, when, in, the, in Daniel chapter 11, he marks the, uh, the Alexander the Great and then the Seleucid dynasty, you know, which really had, uh, remember there were four generals, if you know history. He marks all of that as prophecy, and he says it all. But the line of the Seleucids, which had Israel, the, Egypt, the Edomites come through that line and into the line of the Romans and, and back in through the uh, Antipaters and into Herod, into wanting to sack, by the way, through Antiochus Epiphanes during the, during the inter intertestinal period, the 400 years, 130 years of, of nothing from God between Malachi and Matthew when ba John the Baptist came, nothing's documented. A lot of history's documented. We know about the Maccabees and the revolt against Antiochus Epiphanes. We're going to talk about that next week. I will bring you up to the current day and then I want you to think about the news this week as you hear it and this two-state solution. And remember, we're proving in this class how remarkably timely that Edom really translates into the Palestinians of today. They're Jordanian. The Edomites are from Jordan. Hopefully you're tracking all this. Have a great week. Hopefully my audio will be good this week so there'll be no tone. See you next week.